The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host, John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. The Power Hour has arrived. Good afternoon on this Friday. It is John DePietro. This portion of our program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Excuse me, by uh, K's. By K's. West Fountain's coming up. No, by K's. For lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. Stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Well, we do have some sad news to report, and I'll credit Channel 12, WPRI. Man 67 dies after being hit by a delivery driver in Woonsocket. Woonsocket man hit by a car Thursday night, last night, has died at the hospital. The man was identified as Dennis Gilmartin, 67 years old. He was struck while crossing Hamlet Avenue around 7 p.m. He was wearing dark clothing and not using a crosswalk. The driver, a 19-year-old pizza delivery driver, remained at the scene not facing any charges at this time. Eyewitness Michael Lenard said he came upon the crash while driving home from work. I ended up jumping out of my car to just see what was going on. I came up here. I saw a man laying on the ground. He looked like he was in really bad shape. All I can say is I pray for his family. Pray he's going to be okay. Please continue to investigate, but do not believe speed, alcohol, and the distraction were factors in the crash. So let me... Um, uh, let me see if I can play sound of their um, report on this. Again, um, well, the the information kind of speaks for itself, folks, as far as uh, dark clothing and not in a crosswalk. That's what we know so far. No charges on the driver. After being struck by a car crossing a Woonsocket Street late last night. Now, how this accident happened is still under investigation. Reporter Brittany Schaefer is joining us now with an update from Woonsocket Police. Danielle Winsocket police tell me the man was hit by a pizza delivery driver and we're just learning minutes ago that he unfortunately passed away from his injuries. This just seems to be a terrible accident. A 67-year-old man suffered serious injuries after being hit by a delivery driver Thursday night. The incident happened on Hamlet Street in Woonsocket. Police tell me the 19-year-old Domino's delivery driver remained on scene. The victim was transported to here at Landmark Medical Center uh, in critical condition. And once when he was stabilized, he was then transported to Rhode Island Hospital. According to Deputy Chief Michael Lemoyne, the victim is from the neighborhood and was wearing dark clothing and not in a crosswalk. Investigators do not believe speed, alcohol, or distractions were a factor. Unfortunately, just a short distance away where this took place, there is a crosswalk. And uh. it appears as though with oncoming traffic, you know, with the lights in your eyes may have obscured the uh, the operator's vision. The pedestrians need to watch out for operators and motor vehicles, and motor vehicle operators need to watch out for pedestrians. tells me the driver is not currently facing any charges and is cooperating with police. Again, we're just learning that the victim in this pedestrian accident has passed away. Live in Woonsocket, Brittany Schaefer, Eyewitness News. Well, that, folks, that's obviously very sad. I thought the police officer was very good in that story. 
uh, again, uh, 67-year-old man. Folks, uh, good afternoon on this Friday at 110. We're going to continue open line, open line, phone lines to you, 401-766-1380, 401-766-1380. You know, when I hear that story, you just heard the police officer. There's a crosswalk not that far away, and you're in dark clothing. It's nighttime. I feel for the 19-year-old driver. Um, feel for the poor man and his family, but you're going to cross the street. It's nighttime. You're in dark clothing. What, what should someone do? You walk to the crosswalk and then look left and look right. And then even if you're going to cross, even though you have the right of way, you have the right, I should say, in, in, the, in, the, in the crosswalk, you, you should proceed thinking that that the drivers don't see you but when you and and normally normally lighting is better near a crosswalk um you walk over to the crosswalk you look right you look left people are supposed to stop if you're crossing in the crosswalk again they're supposed to stop but many times what you want to do is you want to ensure that they see you and come to a full stop before you continue on your way. So very, very tragic. And it sounds as if it is just that. You're driving along. It doesn't sound, as the police said, that this pizza delivery person was speeding. And then suddenly someone just walks out in the middle of the street. And I do see it, by the way. I do see it. All right, 401-766-1380. I want to say good afternoon to uh, everyone on uh, Facebook Live, there's my friend George. Good afternoon. There's our friend George, uh, the other George. People need to wear bright clothes at night. It could be. Or not enough lighting, Christine. Democrats are afraid of the squad. Um, good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. You know, I also see there's a couple of rules on the road. And then, you know, I don't know about you. I, I'm not going to stop and say to someone. The other thing is, you, and, and I learned this at a young age, you're supposed to walk against traffic. I will see people walking, not on the sidewalk, but they're walking in the breakdown lane. You see this many times if there's snow. No, right now, there's no snow on the sidewalks or anything like that. But you're supposed to walk against the traffic, facing the traffic, not with them to your back. Because then you don't see them, and many times they don't see you. And they could be pulling over. They could be swerving someone that's stopping. There's a number of different things. When you are walking or crossing the street, I mean, how many times when you're growing up, look both ways. I see people, by the way, and you know where they're really brazen is if you go into, um, where was I? Like parts of Providence, I think. And, and they, those kids, and a lot of times in the afternoon, kids are coming out of school. And so they cross and they, and they're in a group and it becomes, it's like an attitude thing. They feel it's like they're daring you. That that you should be, um, that you should be stopping, that you should be stopping for them. So, but then what what happens there? You know, this sounds like it was a, just a, a just as they said a tragic accident that something like this happens. But you're crossing, and this time, you know, I, I mean, it's cold, it's dark, it's seven o'clock at night, it's not late. Walk a few feet farther to the crosswalk. And the other thing is, though, I remember several years ago, there was a man that I, um, I had coached the son. And he, 
I think it was a Saturday morning, was running across what was known as South, it's known as South County Trail. You keep going down on Bald Hill Road, it leads to South County Trail. And I don't know, I think he used to run across the street, not in the crosswalk, and go to the Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. And I don't know, he probably did it, I don't know how many times, maybe every Saturday morning, except for one Saturday morning. I don't know whether he slipped or what happened, but he was not anywhere near a crosswalk. And he, or the driver didn't see him, whatever it was. And he was hit and killed and, and uh, left behind, you know, a young family. Um, and so sometimes people, you know, you don't know if, if they have um, many times always crossed right there. I don't feel like, I mean, how much farther are we talking about um, that you want to go to something like that? But something like this, it's tragic. All right, 401-766-1380, 401-766-1380. A big story that I think is, um, that we want to follow up on, and it, it is the situation with that head of the Providence Teachers Union. That is, uh, to me, it is calling, crying, yelling fire in a crowded theater, but with racism. School officials found no evidence of racism at a game. This is the second incident in the school year. It's the first one of 2020, but... 2019, the school year began with this mother from Central Falls that claimed that she was in Burville and heard these kids yelling, go back to your own country and these racist things towards the Central Falls. And anyone listening right now, what those kids went through, and by the way, the Burville kids, they still face this. They've been booed at parades. Uh, They play other teams and they're called racist names. No evidence was ever supported that showed anything of a racist nature was said by the Burville kids, kids from Burville to the people, uh, the kids from Central Falls. And yet that that stayed with them. And from what I've been told, still stays with them. And then you fast forward, it's a new year and you have a game, high school basketball game in the city of Warwick at Pilgrim High School. And Mount Pleasant girls are playing Pilgrim. And somehow this head of, they lose a very close game. It's one point game and they lost it at the very end. And the head of the teachers union, this Mary Beth Calabro. And if you go to my Facebook page, John DePietro Show on Facebook, I posted it. The journal has a story on it. But she posted, I am disgusted. I just learned that the poor girls from Mount Pleasant went to Pilgrim. And the players on Pilgrim and the fans and the parents, they were calling them the N-word. And they were saying, go back to the ghetto and this is terrible and this is disgraceful and there's something. Head of the teachers union posting this for all to see on Facebook. And the only problem with it is none of it was true. Zero. Not one ounce of that was true. There was no fight. There was no, no one yelled anything from the stands. Completely fabricated. 100%. So what did, you know, Pilgrim had to go through it. She also takes a shot at the Mount Pleasant basketball coach, this Calabro, because she's upset that he he came out. They asked him. He said that didn't happen. They asked the players on Mount Pleasant. You hear anyone call your names? No. They asked the players on Pilgrim. Do you hear anyone? Anybody calling? Zero. No, no evidence. Somebody, I guess now they tape the games. They have to. They go through the tape. Zero. And what does Calabro say? Oh, sorry about that. You know, when, if you're charging that someone is using the N-word, right, I mean, that crosses a line. This isn't booing. This isn't, you know, sometimes you've, you've been at a game 
And I've seen people that don't know any better that applaud and clap when another team player gets hurt. I mean, I, I have seen that, and you don't know any better, and you're not supposed to do that. Um, and as I, I have coached in the past and, and seen and encountered some things that parents are way out of line and saying things, but that's more just kind of being loud. But if you're the head of the Providence Teachers Union, this Mary Beth Calabro, who has a real puppet apologist in the media, and they're almost like the same person in some ways, trash. If you're going to post on social media that a bunch of kids from another school were using the N-word, you better be very sure about that. She was not at the game. This is she. This collabro. She can't even say. You know, I thought I heard that. At least you know that mother in Central Falls. She supposedly thought she heard that the kids were wearing patriotic colors. They were singing the national anthem. Um, but but this is is ludicrous. This is worse than the Barville situation. You're you're the head of the prop and the teacher at that. And. What does she do? She, she puts out a half-heart apology and goes underground. This is someone who's never shy about microphones or cameras, right? Always out there. And our kids and success stories and blah, blah, blah. School officials find no evidence of racism at a game. Um, I, I, I believe there's a, there's a larger intent here. And that is, you know, because they have been beaten up or they feel beaten up meaning the Providence schools, because of the horrendous, despicable. I mean, that John Hopkins report. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro, 766-1380. Open line on this Friday, 401-766-1380. That John Hopkins report, and I am so glad that the Wall Street Journal picked it up. What they call the Providence schools? Education nightmare. Teachers, (coughs) this Calabro. You have teachers that are out 30 days sick, 30 sick days a year, and all she does is make excuses. That Wall Street Journal report that highlighted an education horror show, July 7th, a case study in public school failure and lack of accountability. 5% of Providence 8th graders, on average, scored proficient in math. 5%. That means only 5% of 8th graders in the city of Providence school system can do the work of an 8th grader. 5%. Only, only 5% can do C work, by the way, or D minus work. Everybody else can't even do that. What does that mean? 95%, 95% of 8th graders in Providence can't do 8th grade math. 95%, 95% of 8th grade students in the city of Providence cannot get a D minus in math. That compares to 21% in Newark, Kent, where students have similar social uh, economic background. Low-income students in, Winsa- in uh, Worcester, twice as proficient of that of Providence. Teachers did not press students to become engaged with math instructions. And instead, chatting with peers, checking cell phones, staring into space, watching videos on YouTube, um, disgraceful. One student reported, my best teacher's desk was urinated on, nothing happened. Another noted, the teacher was choked by a student in front of the whole class. Everybody was traumatized, nothing happened. Students run the buildings. 
Rhode Island Democrats passed legislation backed by the ACLU that you can't suspend minorities. So no one gets suspended and no one gets punished. Terrible. They also, collective bargaining agreements limit the ability of school principals to fire lousy teachers. How about there was one teacher could not remain, uh, another principal was forced to accept a teacher with a history of falling asleep in class and lying about grades. We fought her placement, but the union prevailed. Teachers who skip school face few repercussions. In the case of an abusive teacher, they're placed on administrative leave, but then they lawyer up and the union gets them returned to the classroom. So think of that. You have teachers that just don't show up and you can't fire them. So Mary Beth Calabro, who's behind that? The union. Who keeps the lousy teachers in the classroom? The union. Who keeps the teachers accused of sexual assault on students in the classroom? The union. How about lying about grades? Falling asleep in class. Can't get rid of them. The union's latest political focus. And now they have the forever contracts law. Stays in place. A contract stays in place even after it expires. Gives them even more leverage in negotiations. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. The union blames a lack of funding. The district spends 18000 per pupil. 50% more than the national average. 50% more per pupil than the national average. In a system with any accountability, this would be judged a disgrace and people would be fired. Wow. Well, and then it just, it continues. It gets worse. It hasn't gotten any better. This new education commissioner, I, I wish her well. And then it was uh, August 28th, education hell revisited. Remember that report on Providence? Nothing has changed, Wall Street Journal. So what did the union start to say? Boy, look at the peeling paint in the schools. Look at how, look at that broken desk. Terrible. And what is the mayor doing? Blocking charter schools from expanding. It's just selfishness. But look where it stems from. You know, that was an absolute fabricated lie. Complete fabricated lie. No truth to it. And she made a mistake and blah, blah, blah. It's not enough. You know, that, that is just so dangerous now. It is an element of, um, of now where... When, when um, all somebody has to do is yell racism or that there was a racist remark and then it is left to that person to prove that it didn't happen. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Juan, it should be the, of course it should be the other way around, but it's not the other way around. Nope. No, it's not the other way. Of course that should be, right? If you say that this happened... And, you know, this person said the N-word, then you should have to prove that that, in fact, did happen that way. But that's not how it plays out. Nope. I think it is an element of, of race. And she said, what did she do? She fed an apology to two of her friends in the media. That's, that's all it is. So she provides information to Folks, 401-766-1380. How about this headline? College students in Boston may have been, may have exposed others to measles. You know, I was speaking with someone about this. Of course measles. There is a vaccine for, for measles. But then you have the earthy, crunchy people that won't vaccinate their kids. We have a cure for measles. How many people listening right now, when you were growing up and when you were young, 
That was very serious, right? People got measles. And then there's a cure for measles. But you have these earthy, crunchy people or the other, the progressives, and they, they won't vaccinate their kids. It's a major problem. Places like Seattle, these parents that, you know, they homeschool the kids and they're very, very progressive and they shop at Whole Foods and all this other stuff. But they, they won't give their kids vaccinations. And so that's why suddenly you have a situation like this. Boston public health officials say a Northeastern University student diagnosed with measles may have exposed others to the disease. To the disease. Um, they, they, you're, you're supposed to be vaccinated against that when you're young. Everyone has the, I, I still remember. I think I actually have a memory of standing in line at St. Paul's School and the kids in front of me were crying. And it's just like a little pinch. It does hurt a little bit. But, um, but thank God that there is a vaccination against it. But if people aren't going to use the vaccination, right, then what good is it? All right, 401-766-1380, I'll give you, bring you up to speed on some of the headlines of the day. Bernie's war on war. Record Americans employed. Um, let me get to uh, impeachment standoff maybe near Pelosi allies. Um, let me find that. Bernie Sanders, though, folks, he, he keeps climbing. He is someone, his polling numbers in both Iowa and New Hampshire are very, very strong. It's Biden versus Bernie as war bursts into a presidential race. Last Saturday in Iowa, this is an article in uh, Politico. The day after an American uh, Reaper dropped its ordinance on Soleimani in Baghdad, an MQ-9 Reaper drone dropped its ordinance. Biden moved quickly to make himself the face of the Democrat opposition to President Trump's drone strike. It was early evening, Des Moines Elementary School gym. Despite the dip in temperature, long line to get inside, large, more engaged audience than when he attracted over the summer and fall was waiting for the former vice president. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a white-collar crowd. Des Moines area lawyers, insurance industries, smattering of D.C. Obama veterans now in town helped Biden in the home stretch. It was the first time he'd canvassed Iowa for a candidate. Iowa's heightened the stakes. World War III was trending online. Trump might now benefit from the halo that glows atop a wartime leader and the importance of the outcome of the Democrat primary. While waiting for Biden, one of the pre-programmed speakers led the crowd singing God Bless America. When he arrived, Biden still winking, shot finger guns at well-wishers, hugged them afterwards. But it was Biden, the commander-in-chief, that his advisors wanted on display. Um, to Biden aides, it was this man's chance to seize the moment. His aides began planning a major speech on the issue in New York for the following Tuesday. But also played to some of his weaknesses. A young voter stood up and said, how could we trust your judgment? After all, the voter said, he'd gotten two of the biggest questions in recent years wrong. The 2002 Iraq War and the 2011 Navy SEAL raid on Osama bin Laden. How about that, folks? Young, Some young people were against us going in and taking out Osama bin Laden. Biden was a senator. His response was essentially the questionnaire was cherry-picking two decisions, ignoring everything else in his record. On Iraq, he gave a familiar answer. On the bin Laden raid, Biden changed his story a bit, insisting that after a larger meeting, he privately told Obama to go for it. Biden actually said Saddam Hussein when he met Osama bin Laden. Despite the tough question, he seemed pleased. If the subject is foreign policy, he thinks he's winning. Rather talk for hours defending his worst foreign policy blunders and spend a minute focusing on busing or bankruptcy reform. 
Bernie Sanders was the only rival who seemed to welcome that challenge. While Biden's strategy is that of traditional primary frontrunner, Sanders has the classic strategy for the person in the number two spot. Argue it's a two-person race. Listen to this. In Iowa last weekend, there were dozens of candidate events. Sanders was the only other politician who seemed to relish discussing the confrontation with Iran and how the Iraq war and the Democrats who supported it helped bring about the current situation. What Iran has done is highlight both Bernie Sanders and Biden as representatives of two different polls of the Democrat Party. One much more hawkish arm of the party, choose to be dominant, than Sanders. The common assumption has been that uh, domestic trumps the international, but that's not entirely true. So I think that's really interesting that a young voter stands up. How about this, folks? Can you imagine a young voter stands up and starts questioning Biden? Why did you go along with the assassination of Osama bin Laden? My goodness. If you have to answer that, you're in a different uh, category. All right, 766-1380-401-766-1380. You can email me, john at dipetro.com. I'm going to tell you more news of the day, but um, very sad news to report that the individual, the man who was killed last night, man 67, dies after being hit by a delivery driver in Woonsocket. That man, unfortunately, has died. Dennis Gilmartin, 67, struck while crossing Hamlet Avenue last night at 7 o'clock. He was wearing dark clothing, not using a crosswalk, and a 19-year-old pizza delivery driver was the one driving the vehicle. So very, very sad. All right. Uh, let's see. It's 1.32. We're going to do open line from now until 2 o'clock, 766-1380, 766-1380. You can email me. It's john at petro.com john at petro.com remember follow me on facebook and twitter john DePetro show hey i want to remind you folks now speaking of accidents if you're ever in a car accident remember west fountain auto body 272-3340 if you're ever in an accident call kenny and patricia at west fountain auto body 272-3340 located 400 west fountain street in providence you can depend on West Fountain. They'll repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition. Call West Fountain Auto Body today, 272-3340, 272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body, 766-1380. Open line, open line from now until 2 o'clock right here on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is a perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Well, remember, MEGA professionals, call them today for your business serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. MEGA professionals, M-E-G-A, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA professionals.
professionals. With MEGA professionals, what do they do? Well, staffing. If you need work, workers, drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, local, a.k.a. sleep-at-home drivers, class A and B, non-CDL. How about warehouse workers or mechanics or skilled labor or office professionals or healthcare professionals? You can depend on MEGA professionals. Folks, call them today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA professionals. I'm on the road and my ride is going strong. At Paul Massey Chevrolet, you get the lowest price guaranteed every day with Rhode Island's only true one price on our exciting lineup of Chevrolets. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price, guaranteed. And it's only at Paul Massey, Rhode Island's number one Chevrolet dealer. Lease a 2020 Equinox LS front-wheel drive for only $179 a month for 39 months with $29.88 due at signing. Buick GMC South is New England's number one Buick dealer and Rhode Island's number one GMC dealer. Get the lowest price anywhere. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price. Guaranteed. Lease a 2020 Terrain SLE front wheel drive for only $198 a month for 39 months with $24.88 due at signing. Great selection, top-notch service, and the lowest one price only at Paul Massey. For your business, remember... Rhode Island and Massachusetts, MEGA Logistics, MEGA Logistics, call them, 401-431-2300, 401-431-2300, MEGA Logistics, what can they help you with? Well, 40 years experience, MEGA Logistics, if you have freight, you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight, supply chain management, routing, Bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA Logistics. Give them a call today for your company serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300 from MEGA Logistics. You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. All right, and we're back on this Friday. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. It is the John DePetro Show. I want to say good afternoon to uh, everyone on uh, Facebook Live. There's uh, Lisa, and there's Kevin, and Christine. And uh, thumbs up to everybody on Facebook Live. This portion, remember, if you're on Facebook, you can find the Facebook page. It's John DePetro Show. There's other articles that you can comment on. It's a happening. We have data constantly. Uh, more than anyone else, actually, as a matter of fact, I'll say that. More than anyone else, Facebook page. You can see some of the tweets from the head of the Providence Teachers Union. She's also a teacher in the classroom. She uses her Twitter feed. Her name is Mary Beth Calabro. She is the individual who's had to apologize now for posting false information on Facebook. Uh, she attributed students at Pilgrim for using the N-word and things like that against girls from Mount Pleasant. Apparently, the whole thing was fabricated. But I also posted... She posts some, um, I think, very unprofessional and disgraceful things about the president. And she says on her Twitter feed, and I recognize some of you on on Twitter, but, 
you know, these um, these tweets do, just uh, do not reflect my organization and so forth. But she uses the Twitter feed as as a means, you know, I want to thank so-and-so on behalf of uh, the teachers union and, and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. So I, you can't have it both ways. I think if you are a teacher, you're a union head, you're the head of the Providence Teachers Union, you're going to be supposedly working hand-in-hand with the new superintendent education commissioner to try to improve the schools. I mean, I don't think you should be on social media posting that you think the president of the United States is an imbecile and a lying, filthy piece of scum in the White House. I, I, I don't then, then as as Dr. Lisa said, then you should have two separate accounts and then she can post about whatever whatever she wants. But you can't have it both ways. I mean, so does the organization, are you speaking for the union or all the teachers when you say that? Doesn't sound like it makes sense. How about Mayor Pete blames the United States, blames us for Iran shooting down the plane. Innocent civilians are now dead because they were caught in the middle of an unnecessary, unwanted military tit for tat. Now, this is someone with a military background. He is the Democrat, Mayor Pete. His numbers have really gone up, by the way, in both uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. He's the mayor of South Penn, Indiana. He's married, openly gay individual, war veteran. But caught up in an unnecessary, unwanted military tit for tat. Almost so. So where to blame? Where to blame? It is true that we enacted a drone strike on that general, right? We did, and took him out at the airport as he was planning more attacks. And then what did Iran start doing? Iran started firing missiles into Baghdad and a a base, trying to kill Americans, and they failed. Did we strike back? No. Did we follow up with more and start firing at them again? No, we did not. We didn't do anything. You know, we stood down. We took it. They were firing at us. We did one drone strike. And they were firing missiles at us, and, and we didn't do anything. And then, somehow, in this mishap with these plane, Ukrainian plane, it would seem the Iranians mistakenly shot that down with 176 people on board. A lot of people, Canadians, and a lot of Iranians. Now, Mayor Pete, well, you know, unwanted, necessary military, excuse me, we are not to blame for that. Number one, they shouldn't have been taking off. My God, you know, they're, they're, they're putting a plane in the sky less than three hours after the uh, Iran was firing missiles. So I don't know who gave the go-ahead for that. That's number one. Number two, if their military weapons couldn't detect that it was not an incoming, an American missile, that instead it was an Iranian, that, that's not our fault. You know, this is, that is clear the blame America first crowd. They are so intent in trying to blame this president. But did you see that rally last night? The presidential rallies, folks. Again, uh, good afternoon. It's John DePietro, 401-766-1380. Number one, the crowds outside are huge. The crowd inside is huge. With everything they've thrown at this president, Russia. Now Nancy Pelosi has said they want to move ahead with the impeachment. Everything he does, Trump you know, it is true. The Trump derangement syndrome is, is, is real. No matter what he does, it's pretty bad. You start rooting against your own country. MSNBC was announcing that America was under attack. There were 30 casualties. MSNBC reported that. All wrong. 30 Americans have been killed. All wrong. 
Ooh, Iran, you know, you could hear the excitement. Rachel Maddow, wow, now let's see. Iran's going to strike back. Let's see what they do now. Excited. Excited that we were being attacked. Why? Because then they wanted to say, see, Trump was wrong. Trump's to blame for this. That's what it's all about. Boy, Elizabeth Warren, the next three weeks, this is going to be fun to watch. Her campaign is nowhere. But again, back to the Facebook page. Mary Beth Calabro is the one that said she typed it out and said that the teams at Pilgrim called the Mount Pleasant students the N-word. They were yelling, go back to your ghetto. All a lie. All a lie. I'm so glad those kids are Pilgrim. are like, let her come apologize to her. All made up. Completely made up. Fabricated. Elizabeth Warren is scrambling right now, though. She is. The campaign's basically in free fall. How about Congressman David Cicilline? Again, going after the president. The president doesn't have a strategy when it comes to the Middle East. He, from now on, he needs my permission to take any military action. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why don't you have your brother pay his tax bill? 766-1380. To the phones we go. Good afternoon. You're next on the John DePietro Show. Hello. Good afternoon, Johnny D. There you are. There you are. There's our friend Frank. Hello there, Frank. Hello. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much. Go right ahead, Frank. I'm very interested <laughs> to what you have to say on this Friday. Well, John, after listening to your program today, the reoccurring theme here is lack of accountability. There's no accountability when a city councilwoman says it's okay to vandalize a statue of Christopher Columbus. There's no accountability when that other person puts out comments under her official title and then walks it back. That's right. There's no, there's no accountability when CNN says 30 people were killed in the drone strike. They were literally getting their information from directly from the Iraqi news source. They were feeding it live on TV. That's how ridiculous. Yep. It's just a booty judge can say whatever he wants. There's no accountability. These people that are in elected office should be taken to task. Cicilline, all of them. When they make statements that are patently false, but there's no accountability. Nobody follows up on them and says, wait a minute, you're wrong. That's false. Or, no, that's incorrect. Or, you're a republic official. How can you get away with saying that? No accountability, especially in this state, but even on the national level. It's, it's really sickening. And, you know, I have, I have, I think I've told this before, I have a lot of friends that live in northern Iraq, friends of mine that are Muslim, they're, they're Kurdish. Uh, one good friend of mine, he's a colonel in the Peshmerga. He's personally taken out countless ISIS fighters. And he told me that when those missiles uh, were hitting in Erbil, they were landing out in, in the middle of, like, nowhere. Right. They weren't even hitting anywhere. But, again, he says the same thing. He says, what is the matter with your news agencies? He says, we're right here. We're seeing it live. What they're saying on TV is patently false, he tells me. He says, half the time what they say, it's like he's wondering where they're getting their sources from because I talk to him in Messenger. I can talk to him live, you know, real time. In fact, I've done it in the past so many times, and he'll say, see what they're saying right now? He goes, that's not correct. He goes, look. He'll send me pictures. He goes, look, this is what's really going on here right now. So, you know, the whole, like, like the... Uh, like the airlines being shot down. Anybody with half a brain knows that was a missile strike that took that out. And, and you know, I mean, even a local media. I saw a, a news article the other day from Channel 12 saying that they interviewed this brown student that was an Iranian citizen, and he was saying how people were 
taunting him and saying, oh, are you a terrorist, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And you look at the kid, he looks like Joe Madeiras from East Providence, for crying out loud. How would you know the guy's Iranian just by looking at him? You should have seen the comments on that post. Just totally ridiculous. The funny thing was, most people were in agreement with me, and they said, yeah, how can you tell a They said, this, this is ridiculous. So again, you know, the news, they can just put out anything they want, and then, it, you know, there's no fact-checking, there's no, and there's never an apology from them, which is what kills me the most. So, but anyway. You I, know, you're, you're exactly okay. right, Frank, but let's just stay with that. You know, it, it, there were a few articles how Rachel Maddow was given the airwaves for two years on MSNBC to run this narrative about the whole Steele dossier and what was going on in Russia and the president was compromised. That whole thing was fabricated. The whole thing was wrong. She was running that uh, narrative. And we have inside information and treat blah, blah, blah. She would cherry pick different parts of it. That whole thing of not only Russian collusion, she took it a step farther. She was saying they were compromising videos of the president, you know, in the in uh, the Soviet Union, in Russia, and the whole thing about the golden showers and everything. And all of that was proven false and no accountability in any way. I mean, so it, it's a pattern. And MSNBC, there, there was there was a giddiness to it. There was a giddiness to this. Like, they, they wouldn't say it, Frank, but I'm telling you, I could hear in their voice. It was like, isn't this great? Iran is striking back because they were hoping they were actually hoping that if they do enough damage and if there's a deadly strike, then we can say, see, Trump was wrong to take out the general and hold him accountable. That That's a certain level of, of just sickness when you're you're actually rooting for, um, you know, harm to your own country. I, I, I want to hear your, your thoughts on that. But just quickly, Frank, I have a friend of mine that would always bet on football games. And then he told me a couple of years ago as he stopped because he caught himself. He'd be watching the Patriots at the end of the game, and because of his bet on the game, he'd be rooting for them to lose because of the way the points were going to go. And that's what he said, Johnny D. I finally had to stop. Like, this is insanity. I, I want them to win, but I'm so caught up in it. But it, that's what I thought of. Like, they are so entrenched with their hatred of this president that it, 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 it like David Cicilline, he, he's gone. He's like, like an occult. They're just so deranged with hatred towards the president. No matter what happens, they start to pick it apart, and they want the worst. Yeah, well, to me, it's treasonous. I, and I maybe it is. some people will say, oh, no, that's overstating it. To me, it's not. It's treasonous because, you know what? Put it this way. The president is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. If, 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 if he didn't take out Suleimania, then they would have said, oh, you let that terrorist get away with this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. Then if he does take the guy out, oh, how could you do that without congressional approval and blah, blah, blah. They seem to forget that that embassy in Iraq is U.S. sovereign soil. Yep, he had every that's right. To take that guy out. They were planning an imminent attack. Good point. Not to mention, I mean, you could go on. It's, it's all the things this guy has done over so many years. You know, I saw a picture of Suleimania from 1979. He was one of the people leading the hostages out of the embassy during the Iran hostage crisis. And you know what makes me laugh? We got a president like Ronald Reagan, finally. Do you remember what happened the day that Reagan got inaugurated into office? The hostages were put on a plane and flew back. That's right. Because they knew that he would drop a bomb through their living room like he did to Gaddafi in Libya. Now we finally have a president who says, try me. There's no red line that you're going to step over this time. And all that money that was sent there, 
people say, well, that was Iran's money. Yeah, okay, activate your memory banks. That was the money that we froze during the hostage crisis. It was technically their money and the interest. But you know what I say? After what they did to those hostages, after what they put them through, how they attacked our embassy, we should have never gave them a red cent. Well, You're guess right. what? We have no more appeasement president now. Yeah, you know what else uh, from Frank? You're making excellent points. What this also reminds me of is, uh, you know, can you imagine being an Iranian general right now? Anytime they're near an airport, it's like that scene in The Wizard of Oz where the good witch says to the, the bad witch, you know, you better get out of here before somebody drops a house on you. And then the lady, like, looks up, like, who knows what's coming out of the sky? I spoke with a, a military person. I, I know you have a military background. And he said, you know, what people don't understand is this is actually the best outcome because they, oh, President Trump is unpredictable to them. If you are some of these other countries, um, they, that that was like, wow. I mean, look at how we were able to locate him. Perfect executed strike. Notified the Iraqis three hours before they were going to launch the missiles. Yep. The Iraqis could then turn around and tell us to get out of the way because they knew that if they actually killed any more of our personnel, then it was all bets off. That's right. Uh, you know what's funny? We've got, like, I think they have, like, 200 jets compared to, like, our 2,000. They have three oil fields. If we were to ever go to war with them, it's as simple as knocking out their three oil fields. Do you know they have oil fields, but they have to import gasoline because they don't have any refining capacities? Uh, uh, people who think, oh, we're going to get in a big war with them. It would be over in a matter of a few days. And that's right. Come out on the losing end. Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I'm glad we're doing more sanctions. And Frank, I'm glad you said that because what, what, what President Trump also did was kind of expose them as, as frauds. You're exactly right. You know, the way that Obama or everyone else would portray them, oh, at any moment, and you don't want to upset Iran. Look, at they, they can't even do proper missile strikes. They took down the most successful hit they had the whole night was the Ukrainian airliner. Um, but I had a, um, I played, when I was in Little League, I had a, a tremendous baseball coach who then went on, and, and uh, a Little League coach, but he was, he then went on, it was a great high school coach at a baseball academy. And I remember being 10 years old, and he would actually... You know, I mean, now nowadays you'd probably get in trouble. But when we were going to play another really good team, he would actually instruct the player, the pitcher on our team, to hit either the first batter or hit their whoever the all star was in the other team. Their first time up at bat, throw a fastball right at them because then you scare the rest of the kids on the team. And and that to me that was very effective. And. What Trump just did, you know, we don't jump. You you can protest. You can do all this stuff. But if you take out an American life and you attack our embassy, as you say, which is um, that is basically U.S. soil, right? You do that, all bets are off, and you better be watching the sky because we got a drone coming in that's called Reaper that has your name on it. Yeah, that's correct. And you know what else makes me laugh? These Democrats. Oh, he didn't tell Congress. Well, excuse me. Obama, not a hundred. Obama had over a thousand drone strikes and never notified Congress, and they were perfectly fine with that. But now, when it's you know Trump, oh well, Trump, and you know these people, you know, if you look at pictures from years and years ago, all these same people that supposedly hate him now, we're all sucking up to him. That's right. Pictures of yeah, it's just, just such a joke because you know why? The deep state knows he can't be bought. He's not gonna you know, roll over like all the other ones did. And that's why they don't like him, because he's exposing them for what they really are. And Frank, before I let you go, you know, you made an excellent point. And I want you to repeat it. 
people may say, all right, so what? So they were taking over our embassy or storming our embassy or anything. I love how the president uh, and even said at the rally, we, we're not going to have another Benghazi situation. If you have a number of Americans, never mind in our embassy, that are under attack, you, they, 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 the, they will be treated. Whoever's doing that, the terrorists or the Iranians, whoever, they will be treated as if their invasion is happening right here in the United States. That's correct. And, you know, I'll leave you with this last thought. People, oh, it's unprovoked. He attacked the guy. There's a laundry list of things that led up to this. This was like the last straw for the president, not the first straw. He had been warning them, warning them, warning them. You hurt American personnel, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going to get it. And there's like, you know, they've seized an American tanker. They did this. They did that. They did that. They shot down our drone. He let all those things go, but he kept telling them the day comes when you kill one of our people. It's kind of like, remember, we, you know, America, uh, not America, um, old Roman history. It was everything to be a Roman citizen. People did everything they could possibly do to be a Roman citizen. Why? Because they knew if they were a Roman citizen and somebody killed them or hurt their family, that the Roman government would stop at no expense to find who they were. And, and eliminate them. And yeah. it's the same thing today. Yeah, and it's like the and mob. Now, it was like being a made guy, right? Billy Bats yeah. and uh, Goodfellas. They had to take care of Tommy because Billy Bats was a made guy. You couldn't couldn't take him out in that way. I think what President Trump did, and, and look at, uh, they're certainly going to think twice. That guy was so brazen, that Soleimani. He had the very distinctive ring. Do you see that? The ring that he wore it was huge. It was yeah. like a Super Bowl ring, strutting around in his uniform. There he is at the Baghdad airport. I mean, that's, that's how Im- emboldened he had become. Like, I I'm, un- I'm untouchable. You you can't touch yeah, well, me. That's, that's why he was flying on a commercial plane, though. Yes. Because he knew that he would be safe on a commercial plane. Yep. He knew they were tracking him. He wouldn't fly on any, like, an Iranian military plane or anything else because he knew that they would have shot him down. Yeah. So he thought he was safe, but he made a huge mistake. And that, that was just a wake-up call for them. Thank God we have President Trump. And all I can say is Trump 2020. That's right, Fra- Frank. I'll tell you, he is Michael Corleone, Godfather 1. They have uh, Salazzo and the police commissioner up at Jack Dempsey's place in the Bronx. And the, the attitude is the Turk is protected because he's right there with a, with a, you know, with the, the corrupt cop. Like, you can't, you know, what was the cop's attitude? You can't take a shot at me. I'm the police. Well, guess again. And then Corleone, you know, they hid the gun in the bathroom with, uh, and he came firing out at them. So you watch, going forward, anyone, let's just see how, they, they are really thrown by this whole thing. They can't believe and, and, and that guy of all guys, because he was feared, right? He wouldn't think twice about killing. Um, this wasn't some low... Iranians, 1,500 Iranians. Yes. He had snipers. When all those protests were going on, again, which the Democrats conveniently forget, the average Iranian is not happy with their government. I've talked to Iranian students at a place I used to work at, which I recently retired after 30 years, and I talked to a lot of Iranian students. One time I said, I even said to this one girl who was Iranian, I'll leave you with this, I said, look, I, I know that, you know, people talk bad about your government, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, that's, you know, the news is biased. And I was just saying that to see what she would say. You know, she said to me, no, you're wrong. She said, the average Iranian can't stand their government. We want to be like we were before we became an Islamic Republic. You ever yep. see any pictures of Iran during the 60s and the 70s? They were so pro-Western and isn't funny. That's right. Excellent. Frank, good to hear from you.
Call me again. Thank, Thank you. Bye, you. All right. Uh, folks, 766-1380 is our phone number. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Boy, it's odd, isn't it? There's no Patriot game this weekend. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by K's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Now, the cold weather, it's going to be beautiful this weekend. It is going to be mild. But we're not out of the woods yet with cold weather. If you're having a problem with your heating system, call J.K.L. Engineering today, 401-351-7600. J.K.L. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's J.K.L. Engineering. Remember, estimates are free, financing is available, and they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market. Call J.K.L. Engineering, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. J.K.L. 401-351-7600. Estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600 for J.K.L. Engineering. He's John D. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this Friday. Listen, everybody have a good weekend. Uh, big week ahead next week. Remember, check out the new website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Thank you to all the uh, callers. We'll see what happens next week regarding the situation uh, with uh, impeachment. Uh, stay tuned. The John Dion program is next right after the 2 o'clock news. Again, visit the website, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Have a good weekend. WNRI and W236CW Woonsocket, 1380 AM and 95.1 FM.